Welcome back, everybody. Rooted in Logos Podcast, episode number 104. My name is Brad. Doing as always, my dear friend Austin. Austin, how you doing? Good morning. V- uh, yeah, I'm great. <laughs> Good morning. <laughs> we are back for another episode. Uh, took a couple weeks off. Had had a uh, celebration of life this last week. We celebrated the life of my grandma, who passed away on the 4th of July. Eighty. Uh, 80- Two? 81. 81 years old. Um, lived a great life. Loved mm. by many. So it was, a, it was a good... We were talking before we started recording that, that it was, uh, you know, sad, of course, and, and, and you miss, miss her, and, and the loss is, is, is big. There, there's definitely a hole left, but uh, the, it was one of the better funerals mm. that we've been to as far as the, the message was great, which is exactly what she would have wanted. Oh, yeah. Gospel presentation. Yep being made an outreach for the people yeah and then and then just a bunch of people that hadn't seen each other in a few years just catching up and loving on each other so it was exactly what she would have wanted so we're we're grateful for that grateful for the break to be able to to deal with those Mm. those issues and then austin life-changing things happening oh yeah so well that's something he'll share when he's ready but uh or if he wants to do it now it's fine too but yeah no he's got a lot going on it's true i'm I'm down to one job Austin's down to one job. Now I'm one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So. Well, heck, I guess we can. Yeah. Well, for one, okay. Back to your grandma. Uh, one of those things, you know, pastor said, you, come on up if you want to share a story. And it's like, I wanted to, but I'm like, eh, I'm going to cry. So I'm just not going to do it. But no. And then if he cries, I start crying. Exactly. Yeah. Crying. Yeah. <laughs> no, it's cool because. With with your your grandma, you know, one of those women that for me truly embodies the the saying, "There is no retirement in the faith," and and that was a woman that she did not retire ever in the faith, literally to her last breath. Yeah, and it was just an amazing, glorious, and encouraging thing to see um, for for Christians to die well. And and I think your grandma really did that. Absolutely. So that was, yeah. that was awesome. Yeah. yeah. Very cool. And then, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, I haven't had a job for the past what month? Yeah. Yeah. I got fired from my job at uh, a certain tree company. <laughs> um, basic premise is that they wanted me to take off my silicone wedding ring, and I I said I could not do that. And so they gave me the ultimatum. Take it off or go home. So I went home. And uh, so we, we've been good. We've been really good trying to figure things out. And it was a God thing because he's been opening some doors. Yeah. Uh, so we were actually able to finally get our own business up and going. Finally got our our LLC started. So Shoots and Arrows Coffee Company. It's a roasting company. So we're, we're getting that up and going. I'm, I'm getting a, a new spot renovated. Which I need to show you pictures because yeah. it's, it's pretty cool. Yeah, it's it's we'll, 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 more to come. More to we'll, come. We'll just say that more yeah. more to come. But that's yeah. pretty exciting stuff. We're we're looking forward to all that and just I I feel like for me it's kind of just a season of maybe a little bit of rest for mm-hmm. a month or so just to kind of recover from everything that's gone on the last few weeks and also to to be able to find employment full time employment that I'm more interested in and and yeah. will be able to make a difference somewhere. Um, so we'll we'll see how we'll see how things go. Yeah, we're excited. Major life updates. Major life <laughs> updates. So, 
But for this episode and the purposes of this podcast, for those of you who do not care about our major life updates, which is understandable, we're going to jump into 1 Timothy chapter 6. Yeah. We are going to uh, start the process of wrapping up 1 Timothy. <laughs> not probably won't wrap up 1 Timothy today. It, we'll it's fine. start the process of doing so. Uh, if you haven't listened to last week's episode on tattoos... That was a fun conversation, and I was telling him as we started, I was like, you know, I'm editing the podcast, and it's about the only time I listened to it all the way through a second time was when I'm editing, and I'm like, man, I wish I would have said that, or man, Austin missed an opportunity to say that. Yep. <laughs> you know, you're just looking at it yep. like, man, this could have been this 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 could have been better, but I think we got our point across and both laid up cases pretty well. So go back and listen to that one. That was a fun conversation. I enjoyed I, it. I won. I won the debate for sure. Didn't convince me though. So. <laughs> Well, then I it didn't matter. Yeah, <laughs> no, it, it, it was a good conversation. So we're going to do that. And, and we, I believe, next week, or our next episode is going to be about marijuana. Yeah. Kind of going through a little bit of a Christian taboo series, so to speak, where it's like, okay, Christian liberties. That's a better one. Christian liberty you series. Go. You know, where where do we draw that line in Christian liberty? Yeah, so, I think that yeah, I think that's a good way to put it. Yeah, and so we did tattoos. We'll do marijuana, and then we might tackle a few random. I mean, it, well, I don't know why we would tackle alcohol. We've talked about that enough. I think everyone kind of knows our stance. Honestly, but, I, I think we could probably lump alcohol, tobacco, caffeine, all into one. Yeah, and just talk about it. Yeah. yeah. So, so that's kind of where we're headed and and where we're going, and then we have some more planning to do and some thoughts to to hash out. So. For the next few weeks, though, we're going to spend some time in First Timothy and talk about some other issues. So, First yeah. Timothy chapter 6 today, we're excited. Let's dive into it. We'll do what we normally do. We'll read the chapter, go back verse by verse, and we'll go from there. So, Austin, if you want to get us rolling. Cool. I'll reading. take first 10, you take last 10. Let's get it. All right. Let all who are under a yoke as bondservants regard their own masters as worthy of all honor, so that the name of God and the teaching may not be reviled. Those who have believing masters must not be disrespectful on the ground that they are brothers. Rather, they must serve all the better since those who benefit by their good service are believers and beloved. Teach and urge these things. If anyone teaches a different doctrine and does not agree with the sound words of our Lord Jesus Christ and the teaching that accords with godliness, he is puffed up with conceit and understands nothing. He has an unhealthy craving for controversy and for quarrels about words, which produce envy, dissension, slander, evil suspicions, and constant friction among people who are depraved in mind and deprived of the truth. Imagining that godliness is a means of gain, but godliness with contentment is great gain. For we brought nothing into the world, and we cannot take anything out of the world, but If we have food and clothing, with these we will be content. But those who desire to be rich fall into temptation, into a snare, into many senseless and harmful desires that plunge people into ruin and destruction. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evils. It is through this craving that some have wandered away from the faith and pierced themselves with many pains." But as for you, O man of God, flee these things. Pursue righteousness, godliness, faith, love, steadfastness, gentleness. Fight the good fight of the faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you were called and about which you made the good confession in the presence of many witnesses. 
I charge you in the presence of God who gives life to all things and of Christ Jesus, who in his testimony before Pontius Pilate made the good confession to keep the commandment unstained and free from reproach until the appearing of our Lord Jesus Christ, which he will display at the proper time. He who is the blessed and only sovereign, the King of kings and the Lord of lords, who alone has immortality, who dwells in unapproachable light, whom no one has ever seen or can see. To him be honor and eternal dominion. Amen. As for the rich in the present age, charge them not to be haughty, nor to set their hopes on the uncertainty of riches, but on God, who richly provides us with everything to enjoy. They are to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share thus storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the future, so that they may take hold of what is truly life. O Timothy, guard guard the deposit entrusted to you. Avoid the irreverent babble and contradictions of what is falsely called knowledge, for by professing it some have swerved from the faith. Grace be with you. Amen. That wraps up 1 Timothy the book of First Timothy and First Timothy chapter six. It's funny because I don't think I I pay. I say I don't pay attention, but like I don't really <laughs> notice when I'm reading it, like on, you know, on my phone or in in a in a Bible, like in a physical Bible. I don't notice until I'm reading out loud how much of run on sentences he has, like how many run on sentences he has. Yeah, pretty much that entire section I read was like two sentences. Yeah, which I find fascinating. They, but but I love it. Yeah. I do because. A lot of people go to this and like, you know, I don't I don't even know how they can make the argument, but the argument is, you know, basically Paul wasn't learned or basically he he wasn't that smart. And so his writing sequence is just run on sentences. And it's like, well, no. No, that's purposeful. One reason is because it's the word of God. God spoke through Paul to write these out. And run on sentences, it's not necessarily that they're run on. They're just long sentences. It's a complete thought. It's a complete thought. Yeah, well, and they're supposed to go together. And, and I mean, can we be honest? Uh, Greek and English have different Exa- grammatical... Exactly. You know, yeah. grammatical t- context. So, you know, we're not Greek scholars. We never claim to be, so we don't know exactly what it is in Greek. But in English, they're really long sentences. Mm-hmm. So run-on is maybe not the best word because, yeah, it's not a mistake or it's not a... You know, your English teacher isn't going to grab a pen and say, there's be a period here. Exactly. And like... Yeah, they're just long sentences. Yeah, in our at least in our grammar, but so yeah, I also read through this and 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 I was thinking about this last night as I was kind of again just rereading and, and looking at it again. I'm like, man, there are a few verses in here that are notorious for people taking out of context. Oh yeah, I immediately think of the love of money. Yeah, in yeah. that verse, we're not probably won't get to that today, but <laughs> I don't. Yeah, probably not. But that's one that people definitely take out of context, and the whole idea of being rich and and being wealthy. You know, there are a lot of Christians who think that it's bad to be rich and be wealthy. I'm not one of those. I am not one of those other. There are a lot of Christians who think if you're a Christian, you're supposed to be rich and wealthy. I'm not one of those. Ditto. <laughs> um, I think both ditches are wrong in that scenario. But we'll get to that as we as we move forward. So uh, let's do what we normally do. If you're not familiar with how we do things, uh, we read the passage, we jump back to verse 1, and we just go verse, verse by verse and break it down and discuss uh, our thoughts and 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 what, and it, says. what it says and what it means. Um, if you haven't listened to the rest of First Timothy, go back, start in verse one. I, there's a reason why Timothy or Paul wrote Timothy the way he did, 
it, it's meant to go in order. So yeah, go back yeah. and, and stop this episode. Go back to chapter one and, and see what you think and and dive in. But let's go back to verse one. Let all who are under a yoke as bondservants regard their own masters as worthy of all honor, so that the name of God and the teaching may not be reviled. Austin, first question. Is the Bible condoning slavery? Mm, condoning? No. But... Is Paul saying if you are a slave, you there is a conduct in which you must act? Yes. So, is this saying that if someone decides to come over here to America, where, where we live, and uh, says, uh, you are now my slave, um, should you automatically be like, oh, darn, I'm a slave now. <laughs> yeah. I must I must accordingly act to the ways that scripture says. No, I don't, I don't believe that. Um, if, if you're... Okay, uh, what's the main topic of today with the movie Sound of Freedom coming out? Come out? Um, children, sex traffic, and stuff like that. You know, someone comes and tries to take my children as slaves. You will never find their body again. <laughs> uh, um, or, or it might be drugged through the streets. One or the other. I wanna, like, yeah, as, one or the as other. As a uh, warning to it's anyone true. else who, who tries to do it. It's true. It is true. <laughs> um, so there's that. But no. Then we get to the other side of, okay, say another country comes and takes over America as I everybody did to Israel. Literally everybody. Everybody. Um, say that happens to us. And we now fall under, we're no longer American. We're Russian. We're Chinese. I don't know. Something like that. But like truly dictatorship style. No, you are our slaves and you will work for us. Once we get past the point of trying to fight against them, and we are completely theirs, honestly, I, I would revert back to this. If we are a slave to somebody, Scripture says what we're supposed to be doing. I also think it's important to point out that the idea of slavery, or, or, or the notion of slavery in this time frame is completely different Oh yes, than what we think of, especially as Americans, when we hear that term. I mean, we immediately get our our heckles up and, mm -hmm. and we're ready to riot when we hear that word slavery and, and rightfully so because yes. what happened in America was uh, atrocious and evil and vile. Well, and scripture speaks to slavery not being a good thing. Right. Slavery is an awful thing. That's not what God intended at all. Right. But I do think what Paul is addressing here is this idea, you see this word bond servant. You can also think of it as an indentured servant. Back in those days... They were working to pay off a debt of some sort, a family debt. They were working to pay off a a debt that they owed to a family. I, I don't know. But a lot of times they were better off than the normal day workers. Exactly. Because what's happening is the masters, the people who, who quote unquote owned them, I, I think more of like the people that they that they worked for, yeah. essentially, uh, their bosses knew the value that they had in those people, so they took care of them. Exactly. They, they gave them food, they gave them clothing, shelter. And it wasn't, again, it wasn't a situation like you hear about in America where they give them just enough to survive. Right. It's like they gave them enough to, to be healthy and to continue to work, to work off the debt that they owe. And I, I do think that is important distinction that needs to be made. These people, for the most part, of course, there are always exceptions. Oh, yeah, yeah. But they were treated very well and probably better off than your normal day workers that had to provide for themselves food, clothing, and shelter. Right. Right? As opposed to those who got it provided to them by their bosses or their masters. Yeah. Because, again, they owed a debt they had to repay. 
Well, and a lot of times it was an investment. Uh, so I, I'm believing that this is the word bondservant. It's a rendering of the word doulos, which is slave. Um, so it, it's not a, I'm going to work for you and you're going to pay me a wage type deal. It is truly, no, I'm, I'm an indentured servant. I, I'm a slave to you for X amount of years until I work whatever off. But it was also an, an investment on the master's side. And just like Brad said, they would take care of him. Because if they didn't, they would lose a worker. Yeah. And they needed that work done anyway. But like you get into, uh, why not? Let's do it. Okay, so you actually <laughs> do some real history, uh, going into some real history, looking at the differences between black slaves and then your Irish-Scottish slaves. The black slaves were worth two to three times more money than the Irish. A lot of the times, the Irish were given away for free because they were considered worthless. They were considered no good at all. And so those were the ones that when they bought them or just were given away, they would work them until they died and then toss their body and then move on to the next one. Whereas the black slaves, they took care of more than the Irish because one, they were harder workers, which if that says anything, um, but they were worth more. And so now you have that distinction. Um, but again, don't hear what we're not no, saying. No, not a good thing. Not like a good it, thing. This, it, and yes, took care of them more. Still not taken care of well. Like it was. It, it's not something that we condone. It, it. It is. We're not speaking to evil men. So it's. it's yeah. Fine. It. Yeah. It's. Yeah. So I. I do like one of the things I read talking about under the yoke. Uh, this was kind of an expression that is used a lot in biblical times because it's a farming expression. It's something that they would understand and readily be like, oh, that makes sense because that's what we deal with, the yoke of, of that the, the ox carry for and the burden that the oxen carry. So it, it's, it's describing submissive service under another's authority, not necessarily yes. an abusive relationship. Right. So again, that's Submission. also distinctive. Yeah when it comes to this idea of a slave or a bondservant is it's not necessarily this negative abusive thing. It it's, it's submitting, it's submitting right. to your boss. It's submitting to the person who has authority over you in the workplace. Yeah. And you know, again, just when you hear that term, don't immediately get all upset Riled up, thinking yeah. about the modern day slavery that we experience today or that we experienced uh, in, in, in America for, for all those years. Right. Because that's not what we're talking about. Yeah, the whole mentality of that is use it until it's gone. And back here, though, it's talking about you take care of what you have. And even the, the masters were, were to do that. Yeah. So now, again, talking about the, the person in which is a slave or the person who is a bondservant. So the one who is a servant or bondservant of... Basically, someone who is an unbeliever. So, regard their own masters as worthy of all honor, so that the name of God and the teaching may not be reviled. What is the teaching? Well, you go back and read through the Gospels. The teaching of literally Christ. You are showing... So, this is under the presupposition that the slave is a Christian and the owner is not. The way you are serving your master, you are showing them Christ, is the basic premise. Are you showing your master Christ? Relating to today of your boss, you are working for an unbeliever. 
and you're under a yoke of submission. Basically, you're saying, you know, I am putting myself under your, your authority, and I'm working for you. I'm doing what you need me to do. And so you're working for an unbeliever, and at times, I'm sure everyone can attest to this, you're going to do things you just don't want to do. <laughs> and these are the moments where it's like, well, no, this is where you show them Christ. Yeah, and and it's it's a, it's similar to the idea in Romans that we see about obeying the authority of the government. When they're instructing you to do something or having you do a task that doesn't violate biblical standards, yep. then you do it because they are your boss. I mean, they are they are the person that's in authority over you. And and as a believer, you are told, just like Austin said, to submit and 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 do what they ask you to do. I, I in interviews, I've been asked a few times, like, hey. What makes you think you're going to do a good job here? Especially this most recent job when it cut with construction, where it was clear based on my resume, I had no real experience in that field. You could probably surmise that I didn't have a lot of passion for it or, or necessarily have a desire to, to do that kind of work. But the guy asks, so what, why would you do a good, why would you be a good fit here? Why would you do a good job? And I'm like, because my faith tells me I need to. Like, if I work here and, and you're my boss, my faith says I, I am to do everything as I'm doing it under the Lord, so therefore I'm supposed to do my best. So whether I, and I didn't necessarily, I don't necessarily say this part, but whether I like the job or not, if they are my employer and they are providing me my income, yep. I'm to submit to their authority and do the best I can. Doesn't mean it's going to be perfect. Doesn't mean I'm not going to have moments. I mean, I, I will say one reason why I left the job I was at is because I didn't like who I was becoming while I was there. Mm. You know, I, I was struggling with a lot of stress is one thing and not sinful, but like how I reacted to the stress was becoming an issue right. and, and how I was talking to people and, and kind of treating people and, and whatnot in the workplace. And I felt some bitterness and some anger kind of start to creep in and actually take a little bit of root and it was time to get out of that situation Yeah, because I was realizing I think God was kind of showing me hey you're going to be okay without this it might be a little tough but you're going to be okay without this and I need you to be who I want you to be and this is not (laughs) a place where you're going to be able to do that it was time to move yeah Yeah. Yeah, and and so that was my mentality is I'm doing everything I can to do this as unto the Lord and if when that stops when that becomes something that I can't do anymore probably time to move on yeah yeah and and having that christian mentality of when you were working for someone doing your job we are not of the mindset of if you're getting paid ten dollars an hour you do a ten dollar an hour job now if you're getting paid ten dollars an hour you're doing a forty dollar an hour job why because you are working for god and not for man that's uh i believe that's first corinthians so when you are working for the king of the universe you're giving 100 percent 100 percent all the time and who is benefiting from that well on the surface your employer is because you're you're giving them all your work but again who is truly getting the benefit for that you are because you're storing up treasures in heaven by working for the most high and you're being an example especially to someone who's an unbeliever You're, you're have you ever had a situation i know i have where something maybe you say something that slips out or you get mad and you kind of you know and i thought you were a christian like you get that question, I'm like, oh man. I mean, I am, and and that's when you say, well, I shouldn't have been like that. I shouldn't have said that. I should have done this different. Like, yeah. I made a mistake, and I'm sorry, and you own up to it. But what happens when a, a person who claims to have to be a Christian comes in and is just a horrible employee? Yeah, it happens. I, it does. And and what does that employer who who may who maybe isn't a Christian? What what do that? What do they? 
think about Christianity at that point. Exactly. I mean, we are fickle humans. We have a tendency to lump the whole ba- together based on one person or two individuals or one experience. You know, we, we talk about how someone gets hurt in the church and now the whole church is bad, right? If someone experiences something that's difficult or, or, or sin, a sin issue in the church and now the whole church is corrupt and awful. Exactly, yeah. We, we tend to do that. We have that tendency and, and don't be part of that problem. Don't be a part of that tendency, right? Exactly. Well, and again, what's the point? So that the name of God and the teaching may not be reviled. That's what you're doing. Now, as we move on to the next section of, now you are working for a fellow brother in Christ or fellow sister in Christ. Verse 2, those who have believing masters must not be disrespectful on the ground that they are brothers. Rather, they must serve all the better since those who benefit by their good service are believers and beloved. Now, the, the New, New King James translation puts transitioning or switching out disrespectful for despise. And I like that much better. Because say, okay, you are in a world where you are a slave. And you are a slave to a fellow Christian, a fellow brother in Christ. They came to Christ and now they are serving the Lord with you. Yet you're still a slave to them. Don't you think there would be a, a sense of despising them that would well up on in you? I mean, honestly, for, for sure, me, I, I bet it would. So that's something to guard against. But transposing to today, you are working for a man who is now a Christian, and he is living his life for Christ, and you're working for him. How does that work? What's your thoughts, Brad? There's probably a a tendency for the fellow believer, to, for the employee, to maybe think, oh, we're both Christians, we're on equal footing, I don't necessarily have to be as submissive to his authority because we, we believe the same thing. Yeah. That's not true. Yep. Like, honestly, it should produce more loyalty and more desire to go above and beyond for, for that person. And, and to not be disrespectful just because, oh, this is a brother in Christ, I can treat him a little bit differently. Exactly. You need to then work harder to continue to show Christ and continue to show them that, that you respect them and you're you're a brother, and I'm going to still show you Christ. Even in, even though you're a Christian, I'm still going to show you Christ and still going to treat you with respect. Yeah. No, yeah, I agree. And it's definitely another one of those is, okay, say you know you're both brothers in Christ, and you want to start taking liberties because of that. And one of them is, okay, say you want to start coming in late to work or you want to start leaving a little bit early from work or whatever whatever that entails. Are you trying to take advantage of that relationship? Right. And that's that's not a good thing either. Right. And just like Brad said, no, you're actually working harder now, even if that's possible. If you're giving 100%, <laughs> you're not going to give 110%. That's impossible. You give 100%. Um, which produce more loyalty. I think that's a good a good way to do it. It's yeah. more loyalty, and and you continue to because it might even take an extra effort to not try to take advantage of them. Does that make sense? Right. Yeah. Like it, it's actually it's it's kind of why you don't work for friends, right? Like it's yeah. it, if 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 there's a, a dynamic where Austin's all of a sudden my boss or I'm Austin's boss, like that could strain the the friendship and strain the relationship yeah. if. The other person starts to think, well, we're we're buddies. Like we can, I can slack off here, or I can, right? I can leave early. I can come in late. Like 
that and then that puts strain on that relationship. Right. And so you don't want to do that either because what does Paul talk about throughout all his letters? Unity within the body. And so if you're working for a Christian and you start kind of taking advantage of that and his niceness, his generosity, his mercy, or, or whatever, yeah, you're, you're going to sow a little bit of disunity within the friendship or within the body because he's going to be like, well, I'm going to start resenting this guy because he's not giving the effort that he needs to give. Yeah. Work is is uh, suffering. Yeah. My, my company is suffering. So, yeah, I, I think Paul's trying to make sure and make clear that, no, no, you still have to give full effort. And again, why? Because who benefits from it? Now, beforehand, when you're working for an unbeliever, you're benefiting and you're working for God. Now you're working for a fellow believer. Who is benefiting? Well, one, all three of you. Well, I'd say all three of you, but (laughs) you, your employer, and you're working for God. Yeah. But, okay, say, go back in time, you're a slave. You're working for an unbeliever. You're giving it your best. You're you're putting in the field. You're you're putting the vineyard in. Whatever it may be, you're doing your best. Now you're working for a believer. Again, who is benefiting? Both of you. So you are going to work as hard as you can. You're going to work even harder. What it it says, serve all the better, since those who benefit by their good service are believers and beloved. Um. So today, when you're working for a fellow Christian who is your boss. You are helping further their business, which entails getting to more people in the world, which entails reaching more people for God. Because, again, if you're both working on the same principle of sharing the gospel and getting out to people, why would you not help your boss build that company up, wherever it may be, so that you can reach more people? Well, you look at these businesses, and and I know we do this, I think a lot of Americans do this specifically. You look at businesses that have the little ichthus on their cards or on their trucks, and that might be who you go to first. Right. Be like, oh, that's Christian-owned. Maybe it's Christian-operated. Maybe that's... And I hope the owner or whoever is in charge of that, being a believer, takes that seriously. Right and says, okay, I'm putting this out there on my business cards, on my billboards, on on my vehicles, and so I need people who will live up to that standard right there, yep. and and not slander my name or slander the name of Christ. And so you being working for a believer, he wants that to be a part of his business. He wants that to be a part of his legacy in this company. Yeah, you need to preserve that. Yeah. Especially you, because you are a believer. You need to preserve that, because you're preserving that witness. Yeah, yeah. Uh, another word is wodoni. Wodoni means God follower. It, uh, you ever heard of the story of uh, Jim Elliot? Yes. The, 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 the pilot, and they, they, they all died. Yes, um, they did. But eventually... That was into the spear, correct? Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but eventually, the whole tribe came to know Christ, and they changed their name to the Wodoni tribe, as in God-following tribe. And yeah, Ichthus or the Wodoni. Yeah. We're Wodoni. Verses 1 and 2. Now now we get into verse 3. And then, this is where it starts getting fun. Right. And where, where I start, you know, I had a conversation with a friend last night about different false teachers. <laughs> and, and how I have a lot of words for, for a, lot of, a lot of people, a lot of opinions. And a lot of it comes from 1 Timothy 6, verses 3 through 10. <laughs> Yep. Right. Yep. 
teach and urge these things. If anyone teaches a different doctrine and does not agree with the sound words of our Lord Jesus Christ and the teaching that accords with godliness, he is puffed up with conceit and understands nothing. He is an unhealthy craving. He sorry, he has an unhealthy craving for controversy and for quarrels about words which produce envy, dissension, slander, evil suspicions. I mean, just a whole sentence. We'll, we'll stop there. Yeah, the the yeah. sentence keeps going. If anyone teaches a different doctrine and does not agree with the sound words of the Lord Jesus Christ and the teaching that accords with godliness, he is puffed up with conceit and understands nothing. Harsh. Very harsh. <laughs> harsh. Harsh words. Uh, so I look at, like, you look at this whole section here, maybe verses three through five, and, and I like the way it's broken down here, that there are three characteristics of false teachers. They teach otherwise... Right, so they don't they don't teach the gospel. They don't teach what Paul has taught. They don't teach what Jesus has taught. So that's a different doctrine or any teaching that contradicts the revelation in Scripture. They number two, they do not consent to wholesome words. So they do not agree with sound, healthy teaching, mm. specifically the teachings contained in Scripture. Boy, does that sound familiar today? Yep. I mean, honest. I, I'm sure. Obviously, it's a there's nothing new under the sun. So this was an issue back then. Hence why he's saying. Hence it, yeah. why he's saying it. Yeah. Of course, but like. Think about your the churches and some of these mega churches and these popular pastors. Think about some of the stuff they say, and, and that kind of gets you like, oh, the Bible, does the Bible say that? The Bible doesn't actually say that. What does Satan use to tempt Eve? Did God really say? Mm-hmm. What do you hear from some of these people like Bill Johnson and Stephen Furtick and, and Kenneth Copeland and Joe Osteen and some of these big names, T.D. Jakes? Does the Bible really say this? The deconstruction movement is based on... This idea of, does the Bible really say? Yes. And, and of course, there are times where we get our what the Bible says wrong, and we interpret it incorrectly. And we might even ask, does it actually say that? But it's what's the motive behind exactly. that question? Does the Bible really say? For me, and for Austin, I, I hope, I assume, <laughs> it's to sharpen our faith. We are, con- we are questioning our belief system because we want to be more like Christ, and we want right. to be more biblical. Right. More like him. Yeah. We're not questioning our faith to become more like the world. Exactly. Which is what this deconstruction movement does. You look at deconstruction, it never leads to someone being more biblical. It always leads to being more worldly, being more accepting and tolerant of different lifestyles. Right. Which, ultimately, that's what it boils down to in today's culture. That's the fight we have today. It's accepting. That word, not, not tolerating, accepting. Yeah the alternative lifestyles that people are living. Well, and what do they do when, when they say, does the Bible actually say this? When you go back to Eve, what should she have done when, when Satan went up to her and said, did God really say this? One, she should have gone to her husband and said, did God say this? And then he could have said, yes, he did. And then if she wanted even more proof, she could have gone to God because literally they walked <laughs> with that, God. Well, yeah. In that and so setting, she God, could have yeah. been like, God, did you actually say this? What is that called? That's known as the Berean method. Yeah. When someone says, does the Bible actually say X, Y, Z? You say, if you don't know, you say, I don't know. Let me, Let me go, go check. Look. Not if they say, does the Bible actually say? You say, well, I don't know. And then they say, well, let me tell you. And then you just listen to them. Because that's that's what deconstruction is coming from. It's someone saying that that's not what that means. This is what it means. And they don't put in the work to actually find it themselves. They just go along with what's been 
told to them. And what sounds good and what feels good. Exactly. What makes them feel... That sounds really good. Yeah, that yeah. sounds loving. That sounds whatever. That sounds like I can keep sinning <laughs> what I'm doing. So, yeah. yeah. Absolutely. And and I was, I was watching a video the other day on Elevation and kind of some of their beliefs and some of what they proclaim actually no it was actually back to bethel it was mm. it was a video that had both <laughs> sorry <laughs> video that had both talked about ele- elevation talked about bethel and, and talked about some of their some of their belief systems and uh specifically i think this one was talking about apostleship and and mm. prophesying and she used and it was a, it was a woman leading a congregation but mm. she used this passage and used one part of it and ignored the rest of the chapter, which that happens all the time, of right. course. That's what we, we, we do for episodes randomly about taking verses out of context. And, and we just pick a verse that people use out of context. Which we haven't done that in a while. We haven't done that in a while. I was thinking about that the other day. Yeah. But yeah, we pick these verses that people typically use out of context. Uh, the love of money is the root of evil. That's it's the not root what of it says. all evil. Yeah. yeah. So we take these verses and they twist them to make it sound good. To make it sound like, oh, you can now prophesy. Right. Because of what this one line of this one verse buried in the midst of an actual thought, <laughs> right? <laughs> right? A full, complete thought. Because of that one little line, it's what it said. You can now, pro- you can prophesy. You can prophesy. You have Not power. just like you can speak the word of God based on reading it. It's no, you can start prophesying. She said, I teach, I teach you how to prophesy in this class that I, that I lead. And we practice. And sometimes yeah. you get it wrong and that's okay. How is that Okay. In the Old Testament, it says, if someone says something, it doesn't come true, they're a false prophet. Kill them. <laughs> Kill them. <laughs> so they don't like sound doctrine. They take things, they twist them, they, they make them sound better to the culture that we have, yeah. that, we're, that we're dealing with. Yeah. And so, and, and we, we come back to it because that's what's prevalent right now, is the, the, the sexuality of our culture. And how it's now, you, you not only have to say live and let live... You have to affirm their behavior. Yeah, you can't. It's not enough anymore to say I love you as a human being, as an image bearer of God, but I disagree with your lifestyle. That's not enough anymore. That's not okay. You, that used to be enough. It used to be okay to say, "Listen, we we can interact with each other. And I will treat you with all the love and respect that a human deserves to be treated with." But man, you're not living according to to what God has set before us, and and we have issues there. <laughs> That's not okay anymore. Right. You have to say, "Oh yeah, you're fine. That's perfectly acceptable. It's perfectly okay." Yeah. I, I mean, this push to to normalize pedophilia. Why is there such a backlash against the movie, um, The Sound of Freedom. Freedom? Yeah. Haven't seen it yet. Maybe by the time this episode comes out, I will have. I actually, I plan on going to see it. Ditto. Just haven't had a chance. Why is there such a backlash against that movie? Is it because they want to protect the pedophiles? <laughs> what? Jeffrey Epstein. <laughs> His client list, like we haven't seen that yet. Bum, bum, bum. Yeah, that's getting into it. Yeah, that's it's diving into some things that we don't need to dive into <laughs> today for this. But I'm saying, if anyone teaches a different doctrine and does not agree with the sound words of our Lord Jesus Christ and the teaching that accords with godliness, he is puffed up with conceit and understands nothing. nothing. The third thing they do is they reject doctrine which which accords with godliness. Hmm. Teaching not based on scripture will always result in an unholy life. Instead of godliness, false teachers are marked by sin. He is puffed up with conceit and understands nothing. That is a very, very strong statement. 
Yeah. Understands nothing. Yeah. Puffed up with conceit. We can see that, right? We see the arrogance of some of these people. They understand nothing. nothing. Yeah. Well, and let this be a check for you, for for anyone listening. Being able, again, every Sunday, whenever you, or if you do it every Sunday, but when you take communion and you are reflecting on yourself, check yourself for this, uh, literally. If you are puffed up with conceit and understand nothing, he has an unhealthy craving for controversy. Do you have an unhealthy craving for controversy? Do you love talking about things that are controversial, um, but for the sake of being controversial. Unhealthy. Unhealthy. Right. yeah. Are you one that quarrels about words? Are you the, the guy that is like, well, actually, that doesn't mean... Well, actually, the Greek says... Well, actually, the Hebrew says... Are you one of those guys? Are you a well-actually guy? Um, do you produce envy, dissension, slander? Do you slander people with your words? Do you cause dissension between other people? Evil suspicions, a constant friction among people. Are you constantly in friction with other people? You are probably one of these people that Paul was talking to Timothy about. And you, you need to be very humble and you yeah. need to go repent for it. Who are depri- depraved in mind and deprived of the truth. Imagining that godliness is a means of gain. I see this on both sides. Yeah. The, this is a ditch on both sides. Uh, hey, you get into the the debate of Armenianism versus uh, Calvinism. And literally, I, I put both of them in this category. Either you're an Armenian or you're a Calvinist. Are you doing any of these things? And if you are, you're in the wrong. Yeah, it, it's one thing. Uh, that's a great example. It, it's a topic that we're going to get to. We, we've said this a lot, but it's a topic we're going to get to. We want to we want to talk about those issues, but not for the sake of controversy. No, it's for the sake of trying to deepen our understanding of Scripture and truth and truth and 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 having a, a deeper knowledge of God and, and how He works and what He does in our lives. It's not for controversy. It's not for quarrels. It's not for envy or depression or, or dissension or slander. I, you see that a lot with that debate, don't you? Oh, yeah. Where people are trying to slander the other side. Exactly. They're trying to stir up dissension from the other side. Listen, again, I go to a church where I am in the minority when it comes to my theology, when it comes to re- the Reformed side of the world, the Calvinism for somebody in debate. I, I, I prefer the term Reformed versus whatever the other one is. I can't remember Calvinistic. that term. No, Reformed being the Calvinistic side. And, right, but they call you Calvinist. Yeah, they call me that. But right. it, it's... I, w- I was referred to as a natural Calvinist. Yeah, so <laughs> I go to church where that is not the theology. And for the most part, we can do ministry together just fine because oh, yeah. that is a secondary issue. But there are times, and, and, and we've, we've both, both sides do this, there are times where the emotions get so intense about it that it does cause dissension. And that's when you stop. Exactly. And so you're like, okay, this isn't, we don't need to talk about this, this now. Isn't this is not fruitful. This is not doing what we needed to do. That is what we're talking about here. It's yeah. are you stirring up dissension? Are you causing people to dislike somebody else because of their views? Exactly. What is happening in a lot of these progressive churches today, and, and just even even in the world today, the not the church, the, the world at large, they're trying to get people to hate Christians and hate biblical Christianity. Even churches are doing that. There are churches that are trying to get people to hate biblical Christianity. Again, it's that deconstruction movement. It's that progressive church movement. 
that those words we haven't talked about it a lot lately and those words have kind of you don't hear about it as much anymore it, that quote-unquote trend of fighting against progressivism mm. progressivism and, and and deconstruction that trend is starting to lose its you know momentum yeah but it's still a real fight it's a very it's, real it, fight. It, it, it's gonna come back with different terminology here soon right and that's it and it'll be rebranded it'll be rebranded as something else and yeah. that's what these people are doing I, I i see some of my acquaintances and friends that have gone down this road and there is so much disdain they have for biblical christianity mm. and the people that espouse to it uh, I look at a um, someone who who I've known for a while, who goes to a church that I thought was pretty at, at the time I thought was pretty stout theologically, and they're at a pride festival. Oh wow! And I'm like, and and, and not a pride festival so they can share the gospel and try to be a witness. They're ra- waving the rainbow flag. Yeah. And I guarantee you, if you spoke out against that, you would be considered. You would be. They would disdain. They would have disdain for you. They would hate you. They would hate you. Yeah. They are quote unquote Christians hating other Christians because they don't want to have a biblical worldview. Exactly. It's sad, but that is exactly what Paul is talking about in First Timothy six in these passages here. Yeah. It is Christians that hate other Christians because of biblical because they believe in biblical truth and it's the world right. hating other Christians. Say so you're having a conversation with a fellow brother or sister. They are proclaiming to be love believes all things. And you find something you disagree with, okay? How are you then acting with that person? Does it automatically enrage you? Does it automatically cause you to be angry to... And I won't even say hate. I, I would just say, just because you find out they believe something different, does it cause friction within you? I would say, check your heart. I would yeah. say, you know, Lord, why, why is this? Because my answer would be, it's your flesh. You hear something you don't like. And, okay, then you go back to Scripture. Again, it all goes back to Scripture. If you hear something, you're like, I don't like that. You have to ask the question, is this my flesh? Or, is this the Holy Spirit? Because everybody goes straight to the Holy Spirit. Oh, that's the Holy Spirit within me telling me this is wrong. How many times has the quote unquote Holy Spirit within you been wrong? Yeah. And honestly ask that question. Because within me, it's been wrong a lot. Of course. Because that wasn't the Holy Spirit. That wasn't the Holy Spirit. That was Austin. <laughs> yeah. And you have to go to scripture. You have to go back to the word of God, say, is this me or is this is this right or is this not? And then once you figure that out, if you were wrong, guess what you now have to go do? One, you repent and ask forgiveness from God. And you got to go back to that person. Yeah. You and and again, that's it. You hear something someone says and you don't like it. Make sure you don't like it because of either you or because Scripture speaks out against it. And then you've exactly. got to be able to back it. You can't exactly. just say, "Oh, well, the Bible, you know, doesn't say anything," or the Bible just uh, speaks out against it. It's like, okay, we'll prove it. You, you got to prove I w- it. I want to go back to in verse four. It says quarrels about words. In the Greek, that literally means quote unquote word battles. So, because proud, ignorant, false teachers do not understand divine truth, they obsess over terminology and attack the reliability and authority of Scripture. Again, are you seeing that today from pulpits, from people claiming to be Christians, from pastors, where they are just trying to take a torch to the Word of God and its authority? Yeah. Because they're quarreling over words. 
they're saying that really doesn't mean this, or this is a bad translation of that. This is a. Do you not believe in a God that is powerful enough to preserve his word? I do. I do. I believe in a God that is powerful enough to, to preserve his word through the ages, that he will he is able to allow humans to faithfully translate from the original language to our language. Yeah. He, he God is powerful enough to make that happen. Yeah. Yeah. And I believe he has done that. Now, I believe you have to be careful what translations you use. We've talked about that in the past. We might revisit it uh, at some point. I think but it's a good idea. When you use a word-for-word translation and, and you try to be as close to the original language as possible, I believe God will provide the wisdom and the ability to preserve his word the way he wants it preserved. So you start seeing these people who are trying to take one word and flip it, flip its meaning, it, the, the meaning that we have agreed upon for thousands of years, and they want to flip it. Yeah. And they want to say, well, it really doesn't mean that. And they want to quarrel, and they want to fight, and they want to argue about that one word. That's a red flag. Yep. That is a red flag. Well, in even speaking to, okay, we, we're, we're seeing this with fal- false teachers and, and like blatant, we know they're false teachers. If you're a Bible-believing Christian, you're like, man, half of what they say is not biblical at all. That's obvious. Now we go to the not obvious. You go to the believer who believe 100% is a Christian, but... They're doing this, and and they're going to well actually in in you go back to the original Greek, the original Greek of what they would have been using, and or you go back to the ancient Hebrew of what the actual Hebrew would have said. It it doesn't match up with the 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 newer ancient Hebrew says, and <laughs> and and it's like okay, there may be some validity to that. Again, going through translation, uh, okay, let's talk about Hebrew when the Israelites were captured by the Babylonians, and during the time of Daniel, the Hebrew writing changed. It did. But when you go back to translations, it doesn't actually matter. The The translations are the same. They, they were translate, translated faithfully. Again, going back to what Brad and I believe of, God is all-powerful, and he protects his word. When he gives his word... He protects it. Yeah. He, he doesn't say, here you go, man, do whatever you want with it. No, he, he is giving it through man to be written down, and then he protects it. So be careful. That's what we're saying. Be yeah. careful. Be able to go back to Scripture and know the Word of God. It goes back to what we were talking about in our apologetics episodes that came out. The, the FBI doesn't go through and look at every single counterfeit dollar bill out there they just study the real ones so that when a fake one comes along, they're like, oh, yeah. Yeah, we know they that one. They can spot it real. immediately. Exactly. Yeah. You don't have to go back and study the ancient, ancient, ancient Hebrew and then the ancient Greek and so on and so forth. There there are benefits to that, sure, but you just need to know the Word of God. Yeah. You get a, you get a word-for-word translation of the, of the scriptures, and you pour into it. And, and you pour over, you, you let it wash over you, you allow the Holy Spirit to give you understanding, and and yeah, that way when you start to hear some of these false teachers that are popping up, and that are gaining a lot of popularity, have a lot of popularity, you can realize, oh, there's something, something's not right there, let me, let me listen to it, because what have we said so many times before, when talking about this sort of thing, there's going to be nuggets of truth. There are going to be nuggets of truth in there because there has to be because they're 
That's the only way to sell it's it. It's the only way to sell it. Yeah. Exactly. That's exactly right. There are going to be some nuggets of truth. Like, oh, that I like that quote. Mm-hmm. I like that little sound bite. That I agree with. Okay, what does he say before and after that? Like, what's the rest of the of the sermon? What's the rest of the message? Just be careful. Be yeah. discerning. Go back. Make sure that what you're hearing and what is being taught matches the scriptures. Yeah. And if it doesn't, run for the hills. Exactly. <laughs> Get away and and understand that they understand nothing. <laughs> they yeah, understand exactly. Nothing. Exactly. Verse 6, looking at how Paul sets up the the following. Well, let's go back to the end of verse 5 real quick, where it says, imagining that godliness is a means of gain. Yeah. Oh, or is that a question? Yeah, that was, okay, I, yeah, yeah, sorry. Yeah, because <laughs> I, I know where you're going, I think, and right. so, yeah. So, yeah, looking, okay, and the, speaking to a believer, this could get into a workspace thing, um, because as you are are doing these things, as you are trying to be holy as God is holy— you start to think that godliness is a means of gain. That the more godly I am, the I guess the more spiritually rich I will be. And in a sense, yes. Okay, yeah, the more godly you are, you're storing up treasures in heaven, but you are doing it from the wrong angle because you are thinking that it is actually going to give you gain here on earth. And this could get into the prosperity gospel era or side of things, but not even from a physical money, your your physical wealth, but thinking that, okay, uh, looking at the way that the Jews look at the rabbi, the rabbis that are are, are very up there in, in their age, just the clout that they have with the, the, the rest of the Jews is kind of scary. It's, it's yeah. very... Oh, what's it called? Um, you know, how people act with actors and singers. Uh, celebrity. Celebrity. It's yeah. very celebrity-ish. And, but that, looking at it from the sense of, okay, you're a rabbi, you're a teacher teaching supposedly the Word of God, and you're being treated like that. Some people treat John MacArthur that way. Some people treat Vody Bauckham that way. That's wrong. If you are trying to get in this... I don't even say what line of work, but you are trying to become a teacher so that people look at you as holy and they see you as that celebrity figure that is wrong. Yeah. And that, that yeah. in my opinion, is going back to godliness for gain. And it absolutely goes to the, the, the monetary side of it, too. A, a huge red flag for me when it comes to a pastor or a preacher is when you can kind of see that they're doing that they, they focus a lot on money mm. now yes we need to talk about money we need to i think churches don't do a great job of talking about money i, I really believe that and tithing and, and giving and being generous when, when you see a pastor that is focused so much on money and so much on on finances and sending money to the ministry and sending money that that is a, a red flag because they are looking at it as a monetary gain they yeah. want it to be a uh, means of gain. Yeah. They want their station to produce wealth. And again, we've already said, and we're going to get into this ne- uh, uh, when we continue in chapter six on, on, in a couple weeks, wealth is not necessarily a bad thing. Having money is not a bad thing. Right. In, in, in and of itself, being wealthy is, is not wrong right. and not sinful. But a mark of a false teacher is someone who focuses on that. And they, yeah. use, it, they, they use their station to get 
to gain wealth, and that is their goal. That is their yeah. focus. Um, I, I think of a a clip. So I'm going to find it real quick. I want to play part of it. But there was a uh, a pastor who called out his church for not buying him a new watch. Oh wow. You can buy a Movado watch in Sam's. Yes, you can. Yes, yes you can. I asked for one last year. Here it is the whole way in August. I still ain't got it. Y'all ain't saying nothing. Let me kick down the door and talk to my cheap sons and daughters. I don't want to hear no more excuses about what y'all can't afford. You can't afford it because you don't see the value here. So Y'all hear from y'all past and father. I'm over y'all. Y'all give me money. Amen. Jesus. He is, is, I mean, berating his church for not buying him a watch. He is berating his church for not buying him a watch because that is apparently what he believes he should have as a pastor. He is entitled to this expensive watch. You look at Kenneth Copeland. There's an interview. Go look it up. It's it's fascinating. It's actually kind of creepy where he's asked about a plane, a private jet that he purchased, I think from Tyler Perry. And he's like, why wouldn't I have a private jet? That's that's my, you know, whatever. And then there's other clips. There's so many clips out there yeah. of uh, <laughs> someone asked, and I, I don't know if it was Kenneth Copeland. It was someone in the Kenneth Copeland realm. I can't remember this guy's name, but he uh, he was asked about, he was confronted on the street about, how do you feel about being a millionaire? You think it's right that you're a millionaire? He goes, sir, I'm a multimillionaire. Ooh. And like, corrects him and said, absolutely, I am a multimillionaire. Yeah. Don't you, don't. Don't you dare put me in that class of being just a millionaire. Right. Right. They look at this as an opportunity to gain wealth. And unfortunately, there are plenty of people who fall for it. Yeah. If you send me $20, the Lord's going to send you $40. Honestly, you just lost $20. Yeah. (laughs) If, If... if you, now, will God bless you for being generous? Absolutely. Will oh, he? Yeah. Will he sometimes? I mean, there are so many stories of people who donated the last of their money to this cause or something. They felt the tug of the Holy Spirit. They don't know how they're going to get by, but they felt that God was saying, "I want you to give to this cause." They did it, and God blessed them richly for that. Exactly. That is that is that is biblical. Yeah. But when a when you hear a pastor or someone in authority or someone who claims to be a a, a teacher of the Bible. Say, God's gonna bless you if you send me this amount of money. Maybe, maybe, maybe right. take a step back and don't lose your twenty dollars. Don't lose yeah. your hundred dollars. Like, be generous, but be discerning about who you're generous towards and what causes you're giving to. Give, give your money to a real cause. Yeah, not <laughs> Kenneth Copeland. Not, <laughs> not these people that are using it for financial gain. Yeah, yeah. And, and and so I think I think Austin, if you agree, we're at a good place. We can stop. Because we will expound on the financial side of this in the next episode about uh, with, with this chapter, yeah. Um, because it gets into six, verses six through ten is a lot about money. Yeah, it's all about money, and it's where again we get that passage verse ten that gets taken out of p- context and and twisted a lot. Right. For the love of money is a root of all kinds of evil, 
not the root. And so we'll talk about that when we get back into First Timothy uh, chapter 6 and kind of finish this off. Any final thoughts or, or, or comments that you want to give to wrap it up? Content. Be content where you are and where where your life is. Being content is not... My microphone's falling. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Being content is not a word that means, you know, you're, you're fine with living in garbage. You know, we, we're supposed to live better. We're supposed to be better. We're supposed to live like and look like Christ. But we're supposed to be content in in every aspect of our life. And again, that doesn't mean we're settling, but we are content. We're content. And we're not chasing wealth in a sense of we're going to do anything we can to get it. Right. Yeah. It, it, you're offered a raise at work? Of course, take it. Yep. You're, you're offered a job that pays more? Take it. Why, why not? But if, if your ultimate goal is to be rich, that's that's the issue that we're <clears> going to run into. And that's what we'll talk about. And we'll talk about that. One. So I appreciate you guys listening. Thank you guys so much for your support uh, and your prayers throughout these last couple of weeks. We are excited to be back again, back to routine, and, and we got some irons and fires that we want to talk about. And So do us a favor, jump on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, find us on all social medias, Rooted in Logos, patreon.com slash Rooted in Logos, Rooted in Logos pod.com. Now that I have a little more free time, I'm going to start doing a little better keeping up the website because I fell behind on that. It is there. It is active. We'll start getting these episodes put back on the on the website um, because we want to start, you know, Start making an effort of making this sound better. You know, we <laughs> I bought a new SD card uh, because my recorder keeps eating them. <laughs> and I don't know if you know the last few episodes, the sound has been a little off. Poor Austin. just uh, You just can't hear him. Try to silence me. It's fine. <laughs> uh, Dexter making his appearances known and his, his presence, you know, making us aware of his presence. Maddox doing the same thing. Trying to start trying to limit some of that and try to take the quality up a little bit to... Yeah. to Maybe take this thing to some different heights. So do us a favor. Subscribe to all those things. Give us a five-star review on Apple or Spotify. We'd love to read those reviews out loud. If you, if you write something nice about us, even if you write something mean about us, we might just roast you. <laughs> you know, we'll read it. But, uh, do yeah, just jump on there. Interact with us. Give us your opinions on this. Give us your opinions on the tattoo episode. If, if you think one of us got it wrong or right, let us know. We'd love to interact with you and come at it biblically, of course. Don't just say you're wrong, you're terrible, you're awful. We might be, but uh, give us, show us why. Exactly. <laughs> show us why we are. Exactly. And we'll be happy to say, oh, yeah, we were wrong there. But we love you guys. Thank you all so much for listening. We will see you guys next week as we talk about marijuana and, and should the Christian engage in the use of marijuana. Could be an interesting, controversial oh, topic. Yeah. We'll see how much Austin and I agree or disagree. We'll see. <laughs> but we'll, <laughs> we'll tune in. Tune in for that. Yeah. We'll see you guys next week. In the meantime, stay stay rooted. rooted.